be seated. Hello, we're so glad that you've joined us today. If you're a kid, age three to grade three, or if you are in Club 45, that's specifically for our grade fours and five, we would love to invite you to join your leaders as they exit the main auditorium to our kids' experiences. If you're tuning in with us online, there's stuff online for you too, kids. So you can go ahead to our webpage, centennialroad.com, and find those experiences, or go to our Sea Road Kids Facebook page, and you can find some really cool stuff there for you, too. Well, I want to start off today just by asking you this very important question. Have you ever heard of someone referred to as a mama bear? Anybody? So, I don't know if you knew this, but there's actually a syndrome described as the mama bear syndrome. It's characterized by fiercely protective parent behavior. And so they liken it to that of a grizzly bear. Not just a grizzly bear, but all wildlife. And this parent protector comes to intervene with strength and intensity as they watch over their young. You may know a mama bear, or if you're honest, you may have had mama bear or papa bear tendencies. It's an instinctual wave of protection that takes over. It's one of those things where in that moment, the gloves are off. It's not a requirement to be a parent to encounter this experience. I remember riding the school bus and it was well known that if you mess with one Morgan sister, you mess with all five. And so this is a powerful emotional experience of protection. This idea became deep within my heart when my son was five months old. Several years back, my husband Ivan and I, we traveled to El Salvador to spend some time with some of our extended family. And so the heat in El Salvador is significant. And so we decided that we would go to the mall. We would enjoy the air conditioning. We would, ironically enough, grab a coffee and see what there was to explore at the mall. And so I would often wear those baby carriers, you know, the ones that have all the clips and the straps. Sometimes they just wrap so tight so that the baby is close to you. I wore that because... It was less bulky than a stroller. It freed up my hands so I could do other things, but really it made me feel most confident that I was protecting him. 
Well, as we were walking through, we were getting hungry and we decided to go to the food court. So we walked into the food court and this lady, she came up to me, super excited, smiling and saying in Spanish, of course, your baby is so beautiful. And so she's ooing and aahing over him. And as she's commenting on how beautiful she, he is, um, Ivan's looking for, to find us a table. And in an instant, the woman, she reaches out and she reaches into my baby character car- carrier and lifts, begins to lift him out because she's wanting to hold him. And in that moment, here we go. <laughs> my once calm, friendly demeanor, quite literally, morphed into a mama grizzly bear. I have a photo here that wasn't actually um, in the moment that day, but it's a great depiction of what actually happened inside of me and um, as well as externally. So it looks like maybe we don't have it right away, but that's okay. So my face was like a grizzly bear. I was intense, ready to attack, (laughs) ready to fight. And you might be thinking, yeah, right, Desiree, we know you. You have a soft voice and you're so friendly. But no, in this moment, literally from the tips of my toes to the top of my head, I could feel the heat rising. I could feel the blood pumping through my body. And all this is happening so quickly. I look and I'm scanning the food court looking for Ivan. And the good news is he found a table. (laughs) But I run to him and I'm like, he's like, what's wrong? Like my body language is clearly communicating to him that things are not okay. And I explain to him what's happened. I explain to him that um, this lady is like trying to take our baby. (laughs) And he goes over to her very kindly and explains to her that, you know, we're just not comfortable Um, people other than family or especially people that we aren't familiar with holding our baby. You know, she didn't mean harm. In El Salvador, the people are beautiful and they have a beautiful respect and love for children. And so she was doing this as an act of celebration, as a welcoming experience. But in that moment, that is not what happened in my mind or in my heart. I had misinterpreted her intent. But... That moment has forever marked how I care for Samuelito. When we go to public spaces, I'm always looking. I want to know where he is. I want to know who's around. And I'm on high alert. I do try hard not to look like a ferocious mama bear. But nonetheless, I'm very engaged in his safety and his whereabouts, no matter what. Today we're introduced, or for some of you, reintroduced to a mama no matter what she protected her son. Her name is Jacobed. I'm gonna give you a little bit of history about her. It comes from the first chapter of Exodus. Exodus is in the Old Testament, so if you would like to go ahead and flip there, you can do that. Um, I'm gonna summarize the history and kind of where we find ourselves at this time. We find Jacobet in a time of history where one generation has ended and another has begun. Many of these names will sound familiar to you. Jacobet's grandfather was Jacob 
and he had 70 direct descendants, 12 sons, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Iskar, Zebulun, Benjamin, Dan, Naphtali, and Joseph. Over time, Joseph and each of his brothers had died, ending this generation. But they had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so quickly in Egypt, the government was getting really nervous because there was so many of them, they felt threatened. They thought if a war broke out, we're in trouble. These guys are gonna overtake us. And so they determined a way to control the population. Their hope was that they would protect themselves. The Egyptians first made the Israelites, or sometimes they're referred to as the Hebrews, their slaves. They were brutal. Their desire was to break them with the heavy load of work and the long hours. The more the Egyptians oppressed them, the quicker the Hebrews multiplied. The Egyptian rulers, they were now in panic and they made them work harder and longer. The Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, he gave an order to the Hebrew midwives. When you help women give birth, you must eliminate all the boys. You can allow the girls to live, but all boys must be eliminated. But because the midwives feared God, and fearing God is this profound respect and awe that submits yourself to who God is, they refused the king's order. They allowed the baby boys to live. And when the, when the Pharaoh questioned them, the Hebrew women said, hey, listen, like the Hebrew women are strong and they give birth so quickly, we can't get there in time. It's very different than the experience we have with Egyptian women. And so God blessed these midwives and the Israelites and continued to allow them to multiply. Because they feared God, God gave them families of their own. Now the Pharaoh was unhappy not pleased with how his plan was playing out. And so he intensified the order. He said, okay, this is it. You need to throw the baby boys into the Nile River. The girls can be spared, but the baby boys, they've gotta go. As you can see, we're jumping into a narrative that is of intensity. There's crisis, fear, uncertainty, oppression, and great physical and emotional pain. But, Yaakoved, a midwife married to Amram, the mother of Miriam, Aaron, and Moses. Today in our, in our event here, we're not going to see her name listed, but later in the Old Testament, in Exodus and Numbers, she is called by name, Yaakovet. So today we're gonna focus on Exodus 2, and it's verses one through two. And this is her birth story, her birth experience of her youngest child, Moses. So read with me. About this time, a man and a woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. Now I'm gonna pause just for a second here because Yaakov immediately had insight that her son was meant for something great. God gave her the ability to discern that he had unique spiritual qualities. Out of protection, it says that she hid him. 
Now, if you've ever met a three-month-old baby, <laughs> a newborn, you can begin to imagine the, the extraordinary stress it may have caused to hide a newborn baby, to keep him quiet, to care for him in such a way that it did not bring any suspicion her way. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket and made out of papyrus and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She puts the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the banks of the Nile River. Now, I'm not sure if we have this picture, but I have a picture that is an illustration. It's from a children's Bible, and it's this picture that comes to my mind every single time I think of the story of Moses. It's a picture that um, gives an idea, like a snapshot of where the river is with the reeds, and it has a picture of both Yaakovet and Miriam and the basket. And they're holding the basket with such tender care. Ah, there it is, yay. Such tender care and delicately. The thing that I love about this is that it helps us imagine what might have been in their hearts and in their minds. And so if you look at their expressions, their facial, facial expressions, we're able to see that there is a level of concern. There's a level of hesitation, even uncertainty and pain. She's about to let her baby go. This extraordinary trust that she's putting in God to care for her baby in this moment. Now, Yaakovet is very detailed and very strategic. She waterproofed the bottom of the basket to ensure that no water would seep in. She also was very strategic in where she placed him. She placed him in a place that is a protection against predators. The Nile River was known to be infested with crocodiles. Not to mention the Pharaoh had placed his men all along the banks of this river to watch for the midwives to obey his command. And then in verse four, the baby's sister then stood at a distance watching to see what would happen to him. Yaakovet has a well thought out strategy. At every twist and every turn, she recruits her daughter to be a lookout. And here's something that's super important. Moses was never abandoned. There was always a watchful eye on him. The story goes on. Soon Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river and her attendants walked along the riverbanks. So this also indicates to us that she's got a strategic plan happening here. It's no mistake that this baby was placed in where the princess may come across her as she bathed. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The baby boy was crying and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. This is Miriam's moment. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mom. I'll pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. 
I love this part. We see God responding to her trust in him. Yaakoved gets her baby back. And God shows favor and kindness in responding to her after she's made a very difficult decision. This is further evidence that God always responds to our acts of faith. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own. The princess named him Moses. For she explained, I lifted him out of the water. Again, Yaakovet is called to another hard choice of obedience. Again, giving her son over to another mama. He would be raised as a prince and he would be used to free an entire nation from slavery for God's glory and credit. Recently, I've been challenged to read my Bible a little bit differently and start by asking a few questions. Christy McClellan is a Middle Eastern culturist and a Bible teacher. And in her course, she challenges readers of God's word to shift their mindset from, first, from asking first this question, what does this passage teach me about God and his character? What does he show us about himself before we ask ourselves, what does it show me about ourselves? The power of God's word is that it becomes a part of us. We want the truths and the concepts of scripture to make their way so deep in our hearts and minds that it becomes a part of who we are, that it changes how we see God and we start to live different. The Old Testament is full of characters whose lives are living proof that God uses individual stories. We've heard about it the last few weeks, both Abraham and Ruth. God uses these stories to show and explain to us who he is. It helps us grow our faith, but it also helps grow the faith of those around us. God made man and he made woman in his own image. And he designed that they work together, giving each of them qualities of his own character that would in turn point back to who he is. In Yaakoved's story, her behavior points us to the character of God, a love that protects no matter what, a love that strategically provides for her children. Protection and provision are closely connected and often unrecognized in any given moment. So why did Yaakoved trust God so courageously? Did she know that God would come through? As far as we know, no one appeared to Yaakoved, giving her a message. There was no audible voice and the scriptures weren't yet recorded. Why did she trust God's love, with her, love for her with so much confidence? All right, so here is my word nerd alert. So hang in with me. I find that this is so empowering. Provision is a word that's commonly used. I know that I use it very frequently. I pray provision over my family near and far. I prayed over our church and our community. But I still wonder how Yaakovad was so confident in God's ability to provide. How did she know that he would show up? She, her confidence led her to go against the king's order 
as a midwife and then in her own life. So much so that she put a three-month-old in a homemade basket down a crocodile-infested river. One of the names that God is referred to in the scriptures is Yahweh Yirah. You may have heard it as Jehovah Jireh. It translates into, the Lord is my provider. And so the word in English is made up of two Latin words, two parts, but this is what it means, to see beforehand. The Lord sees ahead. When you pray to Yahweh Yira, you're praying to a God who sees every single situation before it occurs. And you're praying to a God who's able to provide every need based on Yaakov's personal history and the experience of those that have lived before her, such as her grandfather Jacob and her father Levi and her uncle Joseph. Those individuals alone had encounters with God that would profoundly transform not only their own lives, the lives of their families and an entire nation. Just like us, the experiences we have, they shape us and the stories we encounter play a part in who we become. God's protection and provision was clearly evident and it built a deep confidence in the protective love of God. She knew that God would give her everything she needed because she'd experienced it before. We can live into Yaakov's story with a sense of security and confidence. God uses her, his, her story to show exactly who he is. He's a loving, protective parent who cares for every need, no matter what. Some of us find, us find ourselves in a good place where our most recent chapter has us feeling a great confidence. We feel secure. We can find joy in our present. We can look back and see all the things that God has done. We can identify the ways that he's gone before us. And sometimes we can even look and see where he's worked, but we haven't seen it yet. Some of our stories have left us in a place feeling unprotected and abandoned, afraid to trust anyone. But here's the thing, God is never shocked and he's never surprised and he's always present. When we're faced with difficult choices, when we're confused, when we're in unfamiliar surroundings, when we experience pain or we're walking into uncharted territory, or if we are amongst a crocodile-filled river where danger seems to surround us. The hope is this, Yaakov's story provides us this truth. No matter what, God has already been there and provides a way forward. God's protective provision, in my experience, hasn't always been a grisly attack, but it's been just as fierce and just as strategic. His protection can be unseen, but the story of the mother of Moses is a reminder that we can trust God's protective provision. He sees around every corner. He stands with vigilance, always a watchful eye. He always shows up when we turn to him. 
The Bible is full of people's stories that demonstrate that our human default is that we want to see first and then we believe. But God says, I want you to believe and then I'll show you. If you haven't yet made Jesus your own, you can turn to him today. Today can be your day. God's protective love is so strong that he sent his son Jesus to take all of our wrong and make it right. His death on the cross and God's love didn't stop there. He rose Jesus from the dead and it's our choice to follow him and to become his child that we might live in eternity with him. All you have to do is ask for him to be yours. If this is you, we would love to have that conversation. We'd love to walk alongside you and pray with you. If you're watching with us online, you can message us. If you're here today, we'd love to connect with you this week and have this conversation. But I wanna ask us a few more questions. How is God protecting you? Is there something or someone that you're protecting that's God's asking you to make a really hard choice? He wants you to put it in the basket and give it to him and to courageously trust. Is it a difficult decision you're making? Is it a financial circumstance? Is it a relationship, a career? Is it your reputation? Is it ego? Or maybe it's an opinion. I want you to, to just imagine with me for a second. What if we all had the biggest, baddest bodyguard? And this bodyguard would go into every space that we entered into and check to make sure it was safe first. In advance, he would go and make sure nothing was of danger. I think we'd be less afraid to take a risk. I think we would make decisions with confidence. And I think we would trust that no matter what, no matter what situation, God has made a way forward for us. If we know Jesus, I think that sharing a part of our story with someone else wouldn't be as scary. Today, at some point, I'd love for you to just take 10 minutes and ask God those questions. Ask him to remind you of all the ways he's protected you in your life. Ask him to remind you the ways that he's provided for you, how he's gone ahead of you. With this list, we have a personal tool, a personal evidence that can silence the enemy from his lies because we are not alone. We are not abandoned and we are not unprotected. We are loved. Now, some of us are waiting for provision. We're waiting for God to answer a prayer that we've prayed. I know in my personal life, I'm waiting for something. I'm waiting for God to provide something. I'm waiting that there's a light at the end of a tunnel. But you know, I think if we use this list to build our confidence this week and the weeks to come, we can walk tall and in confidence and with boldness that no matter what, we can feel no matter what, whether we feel it or we see it, God is with us. 
He's gone beforehand. He's protecting and he's providing for every need. Will you pray with me this morning? Yahweh Yira, thank you that no situation is too far out of your control. For you are the God who protects and provides. We thank, that you, thank you that you hold everything in your hands. Thank you that you know our needs before we even ask. You know all that concerns us and you see everything. You already have the solution. We ask that you forgive us for doubting you, for worrying, for trying too hard to figure it out on our own. We're asking you to help us trust you, help our unbelief. This week, give us the courage to obey and to make the hard choices. We choose to believe that you are able to accomplish more, to do far greater than we ever thought possible. In Jesus' name, amen.